Connecting both ends of the wool industry is one of the things we do at AWI. Introducing retailers, garment manufacturers, fashion designers and textile experts with those that grow the fibre. It's a very rewarding thing to do and that's what this episode is all about. Hello and welcome to The Yarn, a podcast for and about the wool industry. I'm Marius Cumming and in a few minutes we'll be discussing animal welfare with a French luxury brand. Beforehand though, we had the pleasure of showing a number of high-end Japanese retailers and brands around wool growing properties in Tasmania recently and key to this was Japan Country Manager for AWI and Woolmark, Samuel Cockaday, and AWI's Kelly McAvoy, who told Emily King just how powerful these trips are. Um, it's really important for us to have these international retailers come out here to Australia. Uh, we know that ingredient branding is something that's really important in the market at the moment, and it's something particularly in Japan that's not very prevalent. Uh, so for us to bring them out here and show them the source of where merino wool comes from and not only the sheep and, and the industry but also the people behind it. Um, it's really important for them to see and believe um, everything that we tell them about merino wool and how wonderful it is uh, and I think that we've really showcased the best of the best on our trip this week. And Sam, would you agree, do you think that there's a growing appetite for those, the provenance and for the story behind the wool growing in Japan? Yeah, most definitely. I think uh, in Japan, it really started with the food industry. So people really started looking at where uh, things were coming from. And that now that's just moving to uh, clothing as well. So they're very interested in understanding where the fiber is coming from. Um, and this is why trips like this are so important for us, because we feel there's a very strong disconnect between consumers, retailers and brands and the origin of fibers. So it's really important that we get to showcase that. And Sam, we've got six visitors over here and uh, from three different brands. Could you just give us a quick overview of um, where these brands sit in the Japanese market and what their main focus is? Sure. So actually we have three different groups, three, different, three of the largest apparel groups in Japan uh, and a total of five brands. Um, we have two people from the Onward Kashima Group, which is the second largest apparel group in Japan. And we have the general managers of the second largest menswear brand and their largest uh, womenswear brand. We have people from the uh, World Group with the Takeo Kikuchi brand, which is a very high-end um, menswear brand, mainly tailored clothing. And we have people from the Descent Sportswear Group with the, the Menzingwear, Golfwear brand, and Marmot brand. Um, all in all, if you put all the entire delegation together, that's about half a billion dollars yearly turnover and probably more than 1,000 stores. And are these brands already using any wool in their collections or are they coming from scratch or are they using it and just want a bit more information? Where are they up to in their wool journey? Um, it depends from the brand. Some just started using it last year. Uh, some have been using, especially in the tailored business, obviously they have been using wool for a long time, but there's a lot of room for growth. The market is changing. It's, uh, like everywhere else, it's moving from something very tailored and very formal to a more casual uh, way of dressing, especially in the office. Um, so we also, it's very important we can accompany them in making that transition to a, from, away from wool towards more casual uh, dress. And Kel, I suppose um, when we're doing trips like this, we're trying to showcase, I suppose, mo a lot of what Australia has to offer. So could you just give a quick overview of where we've been this week and what we've done? 
Yeah, sure. So we started out in our headquarters just to, I guess, give the um, the visitors an overview of the wool industry to, I guess, just educate them about what we do and, and why we're here. Uh, we then left Sydney and headed straight down to Tasmania where we visited three amazing properties. We had uh, Matt down at Bangor in Down Alley um, where we were able to showcase, obviously, what he does in terms of looking after the land and land care um, as well as, obviously, his animals. Um, we then headed up, up north to Launceston um, and we visited uh, Connorville, Roderick O'Connor. Um, and I must say they were very, very impressed with what Roderick had been doing, um, the diversification that he has on his property. Um, and most of them commented to me on the fact that he was actually looking at offsetting his carbon using his land. Um, and that was something that they had no idea that the farmers were looking at. Uh, so for them, definitely looking at not only how the animals are looked after, but also what they're doing for the land is, is really important. Uh, and then we were fortunate enough to go down to Bowfront and we saw um, the Von Bibris down there and they're, they're fantastic advocates, obviously, for, for the wool industry. Uh, and again, looking at how they look after their animals uh, and also how they, how they look after the land. Um, but mostly to understand that the growers themselves, they're actually businessmen. And for them, that was, a, I guess, something that they maybe hadn't considered before. Uh, and the fact that there are so many factors that go into, into wool growing um, and the fact that the, the price is so high at the moment, um, you know, we need to show why why it's so special and why we can command these types of, of prices. And as I've said before, seeing is believing. Um, we hope that these stories will now come back to Japan um, and we will continue to work with these brands to, I guess, to get this message out to the consumer. Um, and we'll also look at educating them more about merino wool and our wonderful industry. So it's a really, really important program for us to run here at the Walmart Company. Uh, and this isn't the last group that will be out here. We'll have some more coming out later this year as well, which is exciting. It is very exciting. It's certainly quite energising to be able to see the wool industry through an external set of eyes. It's sort of, you notice a lot of things that we just take for granted every day. Definitely. And it didn't just stop with the growers. We actually were able to go out to the wool sales um, and we visited AWN. uh, And that was a real eye-opener to actually see an auction in swing. Uh, They really, really enjoyed that. So we really appreciate the time that that those guys gave us. Uh, And then off to AWTA, the next stage in the process. So looking at raw wool testing as well as product testing. So we really wanted to showcase the industry from where it starts all the way to effectively it leaves on the boat. Um, Obviously it's such a a long supply chain uh, and these guys are right at the other end. So to be able to connect them back to to Australia and to the the growers is is really important because there can be a disconnect at times. Um, And we're hoping that we're bridging that gap in these programs at at AWI. And Sam, back to you. I guess what... What is the feedback that you've been receiving from this delegation? What are a few things that they've come back to you, a few comments they've made? I think, well, first of all, I think they're very, very grateful that we're here and they had an ex- really um, exceptional experience. Um, it's very rare. I mean, coming from large cities like Tokyo, it's very urban. So just having a chance to uh, uh, visit the farms, seeing where it's really coming from, it, it means a lot, um, more than we think. I think it means a lot to them. And... Um, I think they come out of this being very inspired. It's AWI's Peter Slacksmith here in Sydney with Alex Capelli and Kathleen Klomp from Paris brand Louis Vuitton, Moet and Hennessy, LVMH. Alex, would you like to explain to the wool growers of Australia why uh, yourself and Kathleen have, have visited Australia and some farms over the last couple of days? Because for us, it's very important to be able to to go on the field, in the field, and to understand what are really the what are the practices in the field. Uh, our target at the end is to implement some environmental and sustainable practices in our wool supply chain. 
Um, but to do that, we need to know the reality, what happened on the field, and that's why we are here this week. And what have you found, the reality in the field? What have you seen? It what was very interesting because we were that at the beginning mainly bo because of this mulesing issue, and it's not black and white. There was a lot of grey sh shades, uh, and that was very insightful because we understood that it's not so obvious to, to make a choice. So yes, very interesting to see also the full supply chain from the wool growers, but also the auction. Yes, very interesting. And Kathleen, what have your been? Um, what have your key learnings been over the last couple of days visiting farmers in the New England area and then out to the auction system at Eunora in Sydney? Well, the key learnings that we got from our trip was um, first that um, we thought from the very beginning that mulesing might be. Um, a technique that could be against animal welfare and um, with visiting those three farmers that each of them are at a different stage and have different practices we understood that actually whether they are mulesing or not mulesing the objective is the same which is animal welfare um, and they all have different uh, justifications for it but they are all valuable and they uh, they all have good reasons so that's the first element that we um, that we got from from this trip also during the auction process we met some other people within the within the full supply chain and we understood that there was another dimension that is um, highly important to us also which is um, the welfare not only of the animal but also of the farmer him or herself and um, yeah that's the main elements that key points that we took away from this trip. And I think you were saying earlier when we were, we were talking that that sentiment came through particularly from um, the wool brokers in terms of um, the farmers. From your perspective when you visited the farms they were very much focused on the sheep and the health and welfare of the sheep and the brokers were sort of talking about that they're sort of focused on the, the livelihoods of the farmers as well so that's obviously a, from a CSR sort of perspective that must be a nice thing to hear from, from, a, from a brand such as LVMH. Yes exactly we try to focus on all sustainability topics so not only on animal welfare even if it was our first reason for being here and we, we tried to come without any preconceptions and to really learn uh, from the people on the field at each stage um, but also we think that um, human welfare so the social topics and environmental topics are as important and um, the specific uh, situation here at this um, this year, which is the, the extreme drought that the farmers are, are facing, some of them at least in, in New England, um, we understood that it was one of the main concerns of the brokers uh, during our discussions. And um, it shows how much the brokers are willing really to improve also and to help. They are there to help the farmers. Yeah. So... Um, which we, is a lovely sentiment. Yeah, <laughs> and, it, and it gives, um, and it shows also um, how much the brokers are important at that stage. Yeah. And Alex, um, just in terms of, um, just before we sort of say goodbye, you reporting to um, LVMH's Group Managing Director. Can you explain to the wool growers of Australia who LVMH is and some of the brands that are within the LVMH group and, yeah. and why wool is so important to LVMH and those brands? LVMH is the world leader in luxury. Uh, it's with more or 60 brands, not only in fashion, but also in perfume and cosmetics, wine and spirits. Um, watches on jewelry, selective retailing. If I go a little bit more in depth for fashion, it's Louis Vuitton, it's Dior Couture, it's Laurel Piana, which is very famous for, for wool. We also have Givenchy, Céline, Marc Jacobs, 
uh, Fendi in Italy, Pucci, Thomas Pink. So f- probably I forgot some of them. Sorry, but yes, we are quite a lot, a lot some of, of the, famous, some of the very famous, famous luxury brands. Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, and yes, why we are taking care about wool? We are taking care about all the, our supply chain. Uh, we have the target for 2020, for 2020 to implement the best environmental standard within 70% of our supply chain of, on 100% in 2025. The wool was not part of our um, target for 2020, but it will be definitely will be for 2025 or 2030. So that's why we are here. We want to evaluate and to define what are the best requirements for for the wool supply chain, uh, and why uh, our managing director is so aware of that. That's because we do understand now that environment and sustainability are definitely part of our global strategy. Very important company wants to want to be sustainable and to be there in 20 or 30 years. We have to integrate this kind of preoccupation, this kind of, of topics. Uh, and it's very clear, very clear for our top management, you know. And um, Alex, what we're seeing here at AWI and um, the Walmart company is um, there's definitely a consumer trend um, towards more sustainability yeah. sort of issues. And it's um, would really be interested in your insights and obviously Kathleen's insights in terms of is this a fad or is this something that consumers are really demanding from, from brands such they're, as LVMH? And those they're asking more and more for trustability and transparency. They're asking more and more for animal welfare. Uh, yes, definitely it's a trend with not the same level of maturity if you are in the US or in Europe or in Asia, but it's a, it's a global trend, yeah. definitely. And yeah. it's not going away. I don't think so. And Kathleen, um, if you had a, a, a message to say to the Australian wool growers, what would it be? That's a difficult question. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, keep on doing uh, what you do with the passion that you have and uh, taking care of the animals is something that uh, we really saw in, during our visits. So, um, and yeah, and maybe one other thing is it might be interesting for you to have um, uh, a more direct discussion with the brands. And we know that PETA is doing a lot of uh, work for that and, and really take the opportunity to, um, to discuss and, and visit the brands if, if you can. Thank you. And Alex, what, if you had a message to the Australian Wool Growers, what would it be? I would definitely encourage them. I would be maybe more straightforward, uh, maybe to, to phase out living without pain relief or you know I do think that in all the animal resourcing supply chain that we have fur exotics uh, conventional leather uh, we have more and more demanding requirements uh, about animal welfare and I do think that the Australian farmers I know it there is a long history of mulesing and I do understand that we they have to do that in certain location of Australia but we have to do it better, probably, and to, yes, with pain relief and anesthesia. anesthesia so if they're not mulesing with pain relief, they should be? They should be. Yeah, OK. Yeah. All right, thank you both very much. Really appreciate your time. That's Alex Capelli and Kathleen Klompf from Louis Vuitton, Moet and Hennessy. And a very big thank you to AWI's Peter Slack-Smith for that interview. And for more on the subject of breach flystrike, head to wool.com slash flystrike. Okay, so if there are subjects you'd like us to follow up, questions you have about AWI or the wool industry, send them through to the yarn at wool.com. Please don't forget to subscribe. From me, Murray's coming. Thank you very much for listening and we look forward to your company again soon. Mm-hmm.